sparks fly in Berlioz's witty, offbeat opera Beatrice et Benedict. You're already on the wrong foot and on the wrong foot of love. It's a war of words between two independent spirits with palpable chemistry. There's nobody else that can quite keep up with either of them. Like Much Ado About Nothing, the Shakespeare play on which it's based, the opera Beatrice et Benedict is not just a comic romp. She wants a sophisticated relationship rather than a pretty one. I'm Katie Derham. Welcome to this Glindborn podcast. In hot and heady Sicily, Don Pedro, the Prince of Aragon, arrives home from a successful military campaign. Leonardo, the governor of the town, brings his daughter Hero and his niece Beatrice to witness the army's return. Hero is waiting for one soldier in particular, her beloved Claudio. She can't wait to give him her hand in marriage. There's a very different kind of reunion in store for Beatrice with another soldier, Benedict. The moment they meet again, they resume their old game of bitter wordplay, seemingly unaware that they are perfect for each other. Glyndebourne's dramaturg, Corey Ellison. The attraction between them really is based on the fact that there's nobody else that can quite keep up with either of them. I think both of them have much deeper feelings from the beginning, which Berlioz sort of zooms in on as the opera goes on. Beatrice's independent spirit appeals to Zoe Wanamaker, who played her in the National Theatre production of Much Ado About Nothing, directed by Nicholas Heitner, with Simon Russell Beale as Benedict. You have to remember when it was written, and that there is a, a whole thing about male and female society, that the women are wives, and men go out and do the fighting, and they do the butch things in life, and that women are supposed to be at home and be pretty, and that's it, and bear children. But Beatrice is cleverer than that and doesn't want to be that, because it's not a relationship. It's not a friendship. She wants a sophisticated relationship, rather than a pretty one. But before Beatrice and Benedict even sing a note, Berlioz's overture sets the tone for their relationship. Conductor Robin Ticciati. You know, the music trips you up. It starts in 3-8, in one, and you get this... And you think, where on earth is the downbeat? Where is the rest? Who's playing? Was the pits... Have we started? And so there's this feeling of you're already on the wrong foot and on the wrong foot of love. 
another beautiful feature of the overture is that the Allegro is running along and right at the end he throws in this blue, stinging, raucous trombone note. That is, it's two fingers up society, it's two fingers up this idea of one person is for one person, you know, the freedom of human frailty and love, you know, he gets it from the word go. Beatrice Benedict is a work of unusual swiftness and delicacy from a composer who'd only just finished his ambitious epic, Les Troyens, The Trojans. Music critic David Cairns. At that stage of his life, he was not a well man, and he'd just written this huge five-act opera, The Trojans, and he described writing Beatrice Benedict as a sort of relaxation after that. There was no possibility of his mate writing a full-scale operatic setting of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. He just takes a little aspect of it, which is the, the war of words. Berlioz uses an almost chamber-like orchestra in Beatrice Benedict. Conductor Robin Ticciati says it's how Berlioz makes economical use of the instruments that creates a gentle opera that still packs a punch. It doesn't shout out at one, but once you dig deep, you see that every number has a concentration of his musical language and sensibility. So, for example, in Hero's first aria, Je vais le voir, cello solo, strings, soaring oboe only in piano. after crazy overture with blue acid trombone notes, we get an archetypal romantic melody of longing and desire. With Hero and Claudio's wedding arranged for that evening, talk turns to marriage. Benedict swears to Claudio and Don Pedro that he will never marry and pledges that if he does, they can put a sign on his roof which reads, Here you see Benedict, the married man. Adapting Shakespeare's work was a task of enormous importance for Berlioz. He revered Shakespeare and undertook the process with the greatest care. He does cut out a very important subplot and he adds his own material, yet he stays very, very close to the spirit of Shakespeare. For one thing, since it is an opera comique, of course it has spoken dialogue, 
and uh, the spoken dialogue is taken almost word for word from Shakespeare's text, of course, translated into French. And the sort of great romantic quality of the characters is something that he captures in his music. Shakespeare was not just a great source of artistic inspiration for Berlioz, as he was for many of the Romantic-era composers. He was also at the heart of his personal life and entwined with his disastrous marriage to the actress Harriet Smithson. He was 23 and he saw his future wife Harriet Smithson play Juliet and Ophelia. And like so many people in Paris at the time, he was completely swept off his feet. He says that Shakespeare fell upon me, you know, like a thunderbolt. And from that moment, I think he was always going to want to try to express his feeling about Shakespeare in music. While Beatrice et Benedict is true to the spirit of Shakespeare, Fans of Much Ado About Nothing will notice a new addition in Berlioz's rendering of the story. Probably most notably is a character that Berlioz adds that sort of takes the place of Virgis and Dogberry, who appear in the Shakespearean play. Um, he invents a character called Somarone, which, if you translate it from Italian, means big donkey or idiot. <laughs> And this character is a, a music master who is very, very pedantic and writes horrible academic-style fugues and purportedly was based on an actual person. That person was the Italo-French opera composer Luigi Cherubini, who was the head of the Paris Conservatory at the time when Berlioz was a student there. And he and Berlioz locked horns... Beatrice and Benedict's closest friends hatch a plot to make them realise their love for each other. In the garden where Hero and Claudio are going to be married that evening, Leonardo tells Don Pedro that Beatrice loves Benedict. When Benedict hears this, he decides to pursue her. and Ursula, her attendant, have arranged to trick Beatrice in a similar way. That night, as the moonlight plays across the garden, they sing about love. The nocturne they sing is one of the opera's most beautiful moments. You hear in it the lapping strings, just, you know, when the water gently folds over on a very calm, calm sea line and the sky is completely clear. All of that idea of a still, romantic evening. There's nothing, I think, that Berlioz was better at than a nocturne. It's in this undulating 6-8 rhythm 
it just it's sort of it's where Shakespeare and Berlioz meet in this this kind of rapturous lyricism, even though it's not based on Shakespeare's words, but on the words of Berlioz. opens with Somaroni leading the guests in song, but Beatrice doesn't join in the bonhomie. She's finally realised that she is in love with Benedict, but she doesn't want to give up her freedom. When she doubts Benedict's love for her and she realises that she really is in love with him and despite her sort of proto-feminist strength, she, in her own very feisty, quirky way, is going to go after him. So she kind of transforms her doubtful and tender feelings into a call to action. Berlioz's simplification of Shakespeare's plot creates a sunnier story. He removes some of the darkness of Much Ado About Nothing by getting rid of a subplot in which Don John tries to discredit Hero by suggesting that she's been unfaithful to Claudio, thus leaving her unable to marry. So we want to make her again. In Shakespeare's plays, when Claudio denounces Hero as being a whore, it brings Beatrice and Benedict together in such a beautifully written scene by Shakespeare. They're in church and Beatrice's passion and anger and feeling of protection towards her cousin is hugely strong and she demands of Benedict to challenge Claudio to a duel. And it's a beautifully written scene which is in a way an awakening of Beatrice's love for Benedict and he's elevated in her eyes after that scene. Hero and Ursula join Beatrice in song to celebrate the joy of marriage in a mirroring of the male trio from Act One. David Cairns again. The men's one, well, it's in G major and it's, it's got these wonderful, delicate, teasing violin lines, whereas the, the women's trio is very harmonious, it's with clarinets, and then in the middle they start teasing her. It's a beautiful passage.
She's in a very vulnerable condition at the moment because she's just discovered that she's in love with Benedict and is he in love with her, you see. It's a very beautiful trio just for the three women's voices. The wedding begins, and as Hero and Claudio sign their marriage contract, the notary asks if anyone else wishes to marry. Only minutes after they were sparring, Beatrice and Benedict confess their love for each other and marry. The wedding party triumphantly proclaim, Ici l'envoie Benedict l'homme marié, recalling Benedict's earlier pledge to his friends. This is one of the few moments when Berlioz uses a full orchestra, including trombones. All the other characters spread out this great placard saying, here you see Benedict the married man. For now, there's a truce, but Beatrice and Benedict promise that tomorrow the warring will continue. As the two lovers declare that love is a torch that leads our souls astray, the orchestra strikes up with the witty theme from the overture. I have spoken to many people who have been in Much Ado About Nothing. The sense of enjoyment that every person I've spoke to who's been in it they come away with a feeling of, of joy, of great happiness. I think that must be because of... First, it's got a happy ending in the end. <laughs> and secondly, it's the enjoyment of two opposites, or seeming opposites, but coming together, being resolved. It's a satisfying ending. It makes you feel good. In this podcast, we heard music from the LSO live recording of Beatrice et Benedict. Sir Colin Davis conducted the London Symphony Orchestra with Enkele de Schorza in the role of Beatrice and Kenneth Tarver as Benedict. Yeah.